Hey, awesome nerds, and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, this the podcast weekly podcast where we watch and recap tales and shows you really enjoy was, and talk about the themes, concepts, and characters could be used in different role-playing games. I am your host, Jeremy, and currently unburying uh, millions of e-bucks? I can't even remember what they're called. Anyway, he's buried them berries. in his mother's grave, which is really, really weird. Wait, it's my co-host, Afif. Berries. There we go, berries. Berries. E-bucks? E-bucks. I've been looking into some cyberpunk, okay? <laughs> you could have just said, like, doubloons or, like, something piratey. Dublo- anything piratey. No. No, I went with e-bucks. <laughs> Which aren't even called that. They're called, like, bennies or something, aren't they? In cyberpunk? Eddies. Uh, Eddies. Eddies. Eddies shot for euro dollars, yeah. Yeah. So, Eddies, berries. Just call them dollars. What Pounds, do you think the berry is based quid. on? Like, like actual uh, berries? It's, yeah, I think it's actual berries. I think it's the berry currency system. It used oh, to be maybe an that's actual like tied berry. Into like the devil fruit sort of thing, where it's like, you know, oh yeah, that makes sense. I can see that that working quite well, actually. World building. I honestly think that naming your coins is one of the easiest way to world build. Yeah, easily. If you just remember it. Oh, that yeah, that's the tough part. <laughs> yeah, if you just go, okay, all gold coins, they're crowns. It's like, cool, you found 200 crowns. It's like, great, you're done. As long as you remember to call it that. They know what to say. I remember, you know, call back to our Arcane series. And when Piltover, they call them, it's like hex, it's like nuts and bolts and things like that for the different. Oh, yeah. Like gold. But I can't remember. I can never remember which one's which. (laughs) Well, hex implies that it's going to be six. Oh, it's golden hexes, silver cogs and bronze washers. Oh, so it's just basically gold, silver, copper. Yeah. <laughs> the usual D and D focus. Yeah, but then you only Where's... end up using gold most of the time. Yeah, anyway, so I I really hate that, and I've got yeah. a lot of friends, players who just like, yeah, just give me the gold number. I'm like, well, it's point two gold. How's that? You're gonna have to break it. What about? But, I mean, would we you do. do like the harry potter thing where there's just like some arbitrary number like it's really confusing it's like an imperial only, system only if i want to make fun of the british counting system because <laughs> at like, the end I of the day it's just going to be more work for you personally for, for the dm yeah. more than anyone else yeah this is why electrum never caught on like electrum was actually used as a coin and that's why it's included but the fact that it's worth like two silver pieces it's like well that's confusing yeah. It's like, great, I've got 10, 10 Electrum. That's two gold or something. No, it's it's not even that. It's like five. I don't know. There we go. Math, bad. Math, bad. Let's talk about the episode. Episode seven of One Piece 2023. Uh, the girl with the sawfish tattoo. After striking a deal with a familiar foe to find Arlong, Luffy and his friends set sail for Coco Village and learn about Nami's mysterious past. And that's kind of it. They go to the village. Arlong's already there. Arlong betrays Nami. Didn't see that coming. Um, and then Arlong burns the village. But it turns out she was good all along. Way, yay, Nami wasn't evil. We definitely suspected from the beginning. That's it. Anything yeah. to add? <laughs> um, I think when it's like... Because there's been a bunch of these episodes where they're kind of like two-parters. I think it's yeah. most of the episodes, actually. Now that I yeah. think about it. Um, they kind of blend together in my in my memory banks. 
So it's, mm. especially when they have like flashbacks and stuff, it's hard to remember. Yeah. Which one was which. Looking at, we'll talk about this more in the wrap up, but looking a little bit at the um, other media available for One Piece, specifically the animated version, there is a lot of movie length episodes of the animated where it's just like that just sounds like an episode of a television show and it's an hour and 40 minutes and i feel like that's what's happened here (laughs) that this is what they would have just like combined into one chapter or one arc of the the manga and now it's well now it's live action so we got to drag it out a little bit and have some establishing shots and and whatnot and yeah i guess that's fine i don't have much of a problem with that um it does mean, however, that we kind of get a couple of things in the next episode that are, like, duplicating this. Like, the whole, oh, you might not have watched last week, so I better tell you where we're at. Hey, Arlong, still a fish supremacist. Yeah. I um. I kind of want to side with him. Like, it's difficult to, to be, like... Well, his people were enslaved... Like, it seems like it was relatively recent that they were freed. Yeah. And it does seem like humans are kind of jerks to them. Like... I mean, have we seen a lot of that kind of, like, recent, like, bias or anything, like, discrimination? You don't... That hasn't really shown that in the show, like... No, that's true. Well, the only other fish man that we've seen is the one that was employed by Zeph. I feel like maybe is he the only one? Not in any like. That's the other one I remember. That is might have been some background events. Yeah. Yeah. So it's difficult to say. It's like we're kind of taking Arlong's word for it, but we're also kind of taking everyone else's. That's the thing that this is a world populated by a number of different species, but all we see are humans. And where where do the like the other little kind of animal people fall (laughs) compared to fishmen? Because, I mean, he's well, having a... this conversation about, about like, being oppressed and stuff, and the guy he's talking to is half-mouse, like... Well, is he? Or is that just his name? He's got whiskers. I know, but this is just, like, a stylistic thing, like, the ears. <laughs> I have I mean, so the many ears questions. Are like, that's, uh... The ears are a budget thing. That's why they don't yeah. think it really is. <laughs> I have so many questions about Captain Nozumi, specifically because his name is Captain Nozumi, which means mouse. Yeah. That's like calling Arlong, like, hi, I'm Captain Fish. Like, someone's going to point out that Arlong means swordfish or something, and that's going to make me look stupid, but I don't care. <laughs> but yeah, I ha- I have a lot of... I don't mind that normally. Um... I do that a lot of the time. I just find some like I, I've got playing a character now who can talk to rats, and his name is literally Rat, but in Gaelic. Yeah. So that's a great way of naming things. But when people pick up on it, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, you're not meant to to notice that. It's like in Harry Potter where Sirius Black. Oh, it's a good thing he turns into a dog because um, his name's Sirius, and that's the dog star. It's like, did his parents just like have a premonition or Remus Lupin? Hi, I'm Wolf Lupin, Wolf. Yeah. Jeez, I wonder why you're a werewolf when you've been named Wolf Wolf. Was it nomenclature determinism? It's like the vet that I saw once who was named Robert Barker. Oh, yeah. That's always a good one. That's a good one. 
Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're just kind of getting off topic with that because, as I said, not much. I was we sorry, I was doing a little cheeky Google Googling. search to see if I thought you might on, have been on Nezu on Nezumi just to see if like there is. I don't think there's like a specific kind of like race other than like other than I think there's just like human fish. and fishmen. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that his name is Nezumi and he looks like a mouse is just he lent into it. One of two... Oh, there's also... Ooh, spoiler alert. Apparently there's merfolk as well. I'm fine with merfolk. Yeah. That makes sense. Fishmen and humans seem to have boned at one point. Humans being humans. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I, I clicked the race page on the One Piece wiki and there's a, whole, there's a lot, apparently. Is there sheep people? I feel, like, I feel like it's a spoiler for... Apparently there's cyborgs... Uh, dwarves, giants. There's always cyborgs. <laughs> Centaurs. <laughs> Clones. For a, for One a, of them um, is just homies. <laughs> is that a race? I have oh. so many questions. <laughs> it's been around. I think it's one of those things. It's been around long enough where there's just everything. They just have everything. Yeah, it's Dragon Ball Z I think Z Fishman kind of is the main one. Yeah. Anyway, I'm. I was. I was going. Okay, look. Oh, long. I don't like your methods, but I'm kind of approving of what you're saying here. <laughs> like there definitely should be some sort of reparations and like equality, but amongst the equity amongst the two two species. But maybe don't like just slaughter everyone. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of low hanging fruit in terms of like oh, like I get where he's coming from, but I don't think they made him very sympathetic in that regard i don't think it no. was really yeah it was very easy to to hate him yes it was <laughs> for good reason because he's hateful now what i really wanted to talk about with Arlong and his big old speech about how we're going to destroy all the humans how many villains have you had actually have that longer monologue and an explanation of why they're doing what they're doing um i mean I'll tell you what, D&D players, they love to interrupt monologues. It's true. They love um, to just interrupt in general. It's That's also true. Um, I think my party's pretty good about letting me monologue. Um, to the point where I've been expecting them, slash hoping for them to interrupt, and they've not. It's like, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, like, it's, it's like, oh. I've I still got a speech. Like, I guess I'm going to keep going. By the time I finish the speech, the bomb's going to go off. Like, you need to, you need to stop me. Like. <laughs> I was thinking that just recently listening uh, watching Critical Role this is campaign 3 where there's like the villain doing his big monologue and his big speech to his followers while the characters are all doing stuff in the background and I was just thinking how does Matt Mercer think of what is he going to say during that period and it just it suddenly reminded me of um, in Metal Gear Solid 2 those of you actually the the early bit where you're still playing a snake spoilers i guess um you have to sneak in and there's like all these soldiers around and there's a colonel at the front giving a speech and the speech just goes on and on and on no matter how long you take to get to the front of the room <laughs> and i just like someone had to write that and then someone had to perform that for something that no one is going to be listening to and so if you've got that much of time as a game master to be able to have the entire villain 
plan and speech laid out so you can give that speech before the players interrupt or even as they're fighting like no no I'm still giving you the speech about why I'm going I'm evil I'm going to rule the world and why I deserve to it's like yeah that's that's dedication yeah I guess it's awkward as well because like obviously a good monologue is like a a scripted thing and kind of ideally a bit rehearsed as well um which well, yeah, doesn't always speech yeah um I mean, you could improvise a monologue, but it's not nearly going to be as good, basically. It's true. It's true. I wonder how many villains do improvise their monologues. Like, I had no idea where I was going with the start of that. I guess we're taking over the world now. <laughs> yeah, I like how they're, the idea that their plans are just changing based on what they improvised. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I'd love a villain like that. It'd make so much less sense, but also like, be so much oh. easier for me. <laughs> Hold on to your dinosaurs and drop your pants. Oh, that's right. No, keep your pants down. That's that's the phrase. Oh, keep your pants down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to say that a lot. Get used to it, listeners. Um, expect the t-shirts sometime next year. Yeah, I, I appreciated um, his monologue as well because it did kind of give him that clear motivation for why he was doing everything. There's a lot of, like, cliche stuff in this, but that's fine. Yeah. You know, cliches work. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, here's the, a cliche that I want to talk about, too. That double cross that he pulls on Nami. The, um, I was going to say oh, the gambling. The gambling. The gambling game. was good, too. I love the gambling yeah. at the start. Like, I wanted, What? Oh, the actually, they won because they cheated? What? They yeah. almost got found out, but then they did it? Oh, my God. Whoa. Well, even down to her yelling, we don't lie in this. We don't lie about money in this crew. It's like, but we cheat. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, we don't lie that about feels money. Like a weird kind of distinction. Yeah, I was like, oh, they—that's they, where they draw the line. Like, well, they've got a code. I don't think they do. Honestly, I—I I don't think there's like a universal code. I think it—it it varies from person to person. It seems like it does. Yeah, from person to fishman. Fishman. Yeah, uh, but I like the gambling. Because how do you deal with gambling in your game? I just had a recent game where there was a player who wanted, who was playing a thief and kind of wanted to roll a few NPCs, which I'm usually fine with. Um, but it's like, well, do you want to play the game and like have a little bit of sleight of hand or you just want to make a roll for it? Do you want to actually like gamble against me and the other players? What, what do you want to do? Because at some point we can just go to the casino. Yeah, I think there's a risk of if you like get too kind of granular with it that it it's a little too indulgent for like that player you know and it detracts from all the other people at the table who aren't really like oh, i'm not here to watch you gamble mm. um i know that there's there are rules about like downtime gambling which is pretty good as well i quite like that um just like over a period of time yeah like carousing rules yeah just like your general kind of like rather than it being like a specific you know hand or, or game of poker or something it's more like mm. over this period how successful were you sort of overall mm. i like the idea if you're going to heavily go into the role play of it like you're going to have i don't know a hand of poker against a villain and lose a i don't know loses a hand or something and then you're you're really kind of playing up the bluff and like having the conversation between the two of them. And it's like an interaction rather if it's just, I want to win some money. It's like, well, here's the game. We're going to have one round so you know how the rules work. And then we're going to roll to see how much you win overall. Yeah. 
Oh, even as well, if it's like, if you really want to spice things up, then you you gamble things that aren't just gold. You know, it's like favors. And like souls. Like that's when it gets spiced. Oh, souls, yeah. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> I like that you went to favors, I went to souls. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell I run a few uh, demons and devils in my games, can't you? I always loved a few times where my players went to the nine hells in D and D, and they deal. They basically trade in souls. Everything is like in soul coins, and they're yep. like, "I'd like to buy this," and like, "Okay, well, you know what's going to cost? What money?" I'm like, "No, souls. You have to give them your soul. You're in hell. Why do you think they want money? They don't care about money. They want your soul. It's a really easy exchange rate. Anything you want, just your soul." Yeah. Uh, no, I like the, the double cross. Okay, so Nami wants to get out of the deal. And of course, Arlong's all like, well, maybe we can find a use for the Marines and we'll have them steal all her money. So she has to stay working for us. Were uh, you expecting the Marines? Um, like no, but I was glad to see I di- wasn't, but I was glad to see them, actually. Mm-hmm. I liked that explanation. And I liked the... Yeah that Nazumi was kind of trying to get a backbone and say, no, no, you owe us more because it did kind of set up the power rankings that even Arlong, who's like this badass pirate dude has to pay the Marines off. And like, he's able to threaten them and kind of get it back. And that shows that he's a up and coming threat to them. But it does also say, Hey, there's, they are more powerful than him. He's just one guy. Yeah, I like that as well. Yeah. No, it was really cool. And I liked that, of course, Nazumi, like, fucks it up for him. And he's like, oh, yeah, 100 million. It's like, how did you know? Oh, my God, I was betrayed. Um, and How much was it? Was it 10 million? I thought it was 100 million. I'm trying to still... I guess I haven't really been paying that close attention. But I'm trying to figure out the scale of, like, how much the money is worth as well. Yeah, it feels like a lot. I feel like you have to cut those last three zeros off for it to actually mean anything in our terms. Yeah. Because that, yeah, that kind of sums it up a little bit more. <laughs> and no, that that double cross, I want to talk about more because it is a standard trope of like this sort of pirate, ne'er-do-well sort of fiction. But I find that players expect it constantly, the way that characters in something like this never do. Have you yeah. found that? I think that as well. It's strange. It's funny as well, because it's a real trope in, like, kids' films. It's a really common thing, yeah. where there'll, there'll always be, like, a betrayal. Um, yeah. So it's almost like people are just, like, growing up expecting that as well. They think that's, like, kind of the default structure of a story you know like um and but yeah people all the time and there's also a weird sort of meta thing where players will constantly obviously constantly insight check which is you know very valid but then even if the insight check doesn't reveal anything that can just make them more suspicious sometimes you know like yeah well, that's uh, the, the kind like of meta, meta element. Yeah. yeah, the meta element. But I rolled well, so I don't know anything about it. It's like, well, that doesn't mean anything. He could just be honest the whole way through. Yeah, exactly. So I have a, a great one where I tell players that it seems like he doesn't say anything. He doesn't think anything that he then doesn't say. 
And that's not actually saying whether he's telling the truth or not. But it usually shuts people up and they roll really high. Yeah. And it's very much what the guy is doing. Because he doesn't have to hide anything about what he's doing. He's relying on them not to um, care too much about what he thinks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's a couple of times where I always want to do this and I always say I want to try this where it's about having someone who is purely doing what they say. Like who might seem super sketchy or have them like getting the the players like in a really dangerous position, but just be like, no, no, they mean everything they say. They're going to pay you at the end of it. They're going to say, thank you very much. Let's work together again. But it just seems really dodgy just to subvert that expectation. But every single time I, I, I can't help. I can't help but backstab them. I always have to be like, no, he was the devil. Yeah. It's too much fun. It is really fun. It's, you know, it's the little things as a dungeon yeah. master. I think right. it's even better in... Ga- Sorry, just to um, finish that point off for I me. I feel like we've just I gone think- so off track. Like, we've barely talked about the episode. <laughs> There's barely anything in the episode. No, we'll talk about it in a second. There is, I think, in games like Shadowrun, Cyberpunk, where it is a lot more heavily into that, it's a lot easier to have them. No, no, they're just going to pay you. Because they're yeah. never going to expect that. And a game like Blades in the Dark, hey, I brought it back to Blades in the Dark, um, has, it specifically says, do not double cross them when it comes to paying them the loot. Because so many other things are going to go wrong for them. Just give them this. Like, it really does not matter. They'll lose the money in a million other ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go back to the episode. Let's talk about the episode. Let's talk about Nami and her sister. Hot sister. Sure. Um, they got colored hair, so you know they're important. But they're not the same colored hair, so we know they're not related. There was a really funny moment where they would just, like, enter the village and, like... It's like a shot of the villagers, and, like, everyone in the village just has, like, normal, like, brown or black hair. And then yeah. you just see... Um, what's her name? Nojiko? No, no, what was her name? Uh, Najiko. 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 Or Nichiko. Um, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, and she's got, like, cool shirt and, like, coloured hair and tattoos. And it's like, yeah. gee, I wonder if that's a girl we saw earlier. And I love that even Luffy's like, hey, where did that girl with the cool hair go? Yeah. Like, they're pointing out all the hair. I'm pretty certain that earlier on, um, Sanji calls Zoro spinach head. Okay. And it's like, yeah, because he's got green hair. Yeah. Of course you're going to make fun of that guy. If you're if you're the only person with blonde hair in the world. Um, and I know we've been saying this a lot with how this show is very D&D party. But the fact that Luffy can't remember anybody's name unless they're on his crew. Oh, yeah. I love that. Part of me I thinks it's what... like antagonistic, but it's not. It's, just, it's he's not. He's a beautiful himbo. He's... Yeah. He just has absolutely no clue about any, and it's so very much a D and D player going. Uh, I've got it written it down, and it says par- prolapse. Is is that their name? Because I feel like that's not their name. Yeah. I want to say Gravox. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't even remember who he was talking about. I don't think he remembers Arlong's name. He just kind of goes fish guy. 
Oh, he remembers him by the end. Say that much. Yeah, yeah, I bet he, he does. does the the kind of awkward, dramatic stand there and hold his hands out to the sky. The yeah. What does he say? Yes, I will. <laughs> Is that I think there was a really fun, there was a really no. Funny of course, I will. Where like Nami was like. I don't remember what she said exactly, but she said something like, you don't know anything like about me or something like that. And he's like, mm. I don't know. And then I thought he was going to add something else to that, like a nope. follow up. But he just, he just <laughs> nope. said, I don't know. Oh, uh, I love the whole, every ridiculous line in this, honestly. It was amazing. even like stabbing her, her shoulder, trying to get the tattoo. And just like, oh, long, oh, long, oh, long, oh, long, oh, long. Oh. And then. That's like levels of like Luffy stabbing himself in the face to show how tough yeah. he was. Like, and then his his scream was like, "Of course I will! Of course I will! Of course I will!" It's like I really thought it was going to turn into a musical for a second. <laughs> like it felt like that sort of sweeping suddenly, and we're going to burst into song, and we're going to sing about how amazing it is. We're going to get a beret, and when the, we hear the people sing, it was going to be great. Still could. I don't know. I would be on board with that. Like it's a musical episode. Like yeah, I don't want a musical episode. I want a musical series. This would be great. I'd watch the hell out of that. Like they've got all the other stuff. They've got cooking. They've got fashion. (laughs) Yeah. Sure. (laughs) Yep. I was like, yeah, let's make this a musical too. Why not? I love it. It was great. I, it gets more ridiculous in the next episode, I remember. <laughs> but oh, this yeah. was this was taking it... Like, going back and watching other bits, I remember in um, Eat at the Baratai, there was the bit where the, the cannonball that Luffy shoots back at them, like, that knocks down the marine mast... Yeah, yeah. That wasn't fired. Garp just picked that up and threw it at them. Oh, yeah. Garp is... A lot Garp's stronger. fucking ridiculous. It, yeah, it's great. I keep, forgetting how str- I keep not realizing how strong he is. Yeah. Yeah, and he. Oh, I liked that. Speaking of strength, when um when Arlong picks up the house in the flashback, and like rips it out of the ground, which is ridiculous. Like, oh no, you ripped up a house. Sure, and then you just put it down again. Um, but I liked the the shift in his style like how he looked in the flashback compared to how he looked now. So it's a nice oh, way yeah, of going, yeah. look, this is clearly the past, but it's also that element of, well, people do change yeah. that he had a style back then. He was just like, well, before then he was like a middling gangster. Now he's kind of a bit higher up and he's got more power and he's more successful. So he just kind of doesn't have the intimidation. He swears whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, I like that they've changed the outfits for the characters as well. I'm not sure if they do that. Yeah. I'm assuming they do that in the anime, but that's not a common thing to do in animation. No, it's cheaper not to. Yeah, exactly. Except Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon has a quite high number of outfit changes. Okay. I wouldn't know, so... I know, that was made before you were born. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering, honestly, if that's why so many anime take pla- or manga take place in schools. Because it's easy enough to draw a school uniform and just go, right, I know how to draw that. Yeah. <laughs> I know it from every angle. Don't have to worry about it now. Simple stuff. I don't have to look into, into fashion magazines. Because that was part of it. Naoko Takeuchi, who did um, Sailor Moon, loved fashion. And would just draw like her characters in these actual fashion and designer pieces. 
Welcome to the Sailor Moon podcast. Yeah, welcome to... <laughs> we keep not talking about One Piece. Well, what, what what's left to talk about in this episode? I know there's I, one more thing I like, to um, what's, I like, what would you there's an element of uh, Nami's backstory, right? Very sad. Uh, yeah, super boo-hoo. sad. Her mother died. Um, Her not-mother died, sorry. But I like the idea of... So I had a, a character in my campaign who they were like a bad they were like a bad guy and then they had like a moment of redemption they became a paladin um oath of redemption and Mm. uh, basically as part of that oath they got these tattoos with all these chain links on them oh yeah like 300 chain links and basically they had to like help 300 people um and for every every time they kind of like helped someone, you know, like a chain link would disappear, basically. Oh, nice! I was thinking the other way around, where every time they helped someone, they got a chain link. No, no, no. Um, but that was That's kind of like too. the debt the debt they incurred um, in exchange for their powers and stuff. Which yeah. Nami's was kind of the same, where it's like, oh, you've got yeah. ten million berry. This is your goal. Um, mm. And I kind of like that as as a backstory kind of motivation type thing. To just goal. like it's like something for the player, yeah, it's a goal. It's something for the player to keep track of, sort of in the back of their head, and keep adding to it. Yeah, um, I think that's a, yeah. a neat way to structure it. I do like that, particularly with a rogue, where it's like I'm I'm getting gold for a specific reason. Like I need to get someone out yeah, of yeah, give them I'm... an excuse to steal stuff. Like yeah, it's yeah. not just anarchy. I'm pretty certain that Haley in um, Order of the Stick webcomic had the same origin story. That her dad was imprisoned by someone and she had to steal all the gold to to get it. For those of you who... I don't don't know what that is yet. (laughs) Wow, you are so uneducated sometimes. (laughs) For such a smart man. It's, um... Yeah. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> we'll we'll educate you at some point. It, it's it's that idea is very common when it comes to female rogue figures in animated Japanese media. Sure. Like the um, Cowboy Bebop. Very, very specific. Which is, oh yeah, I have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, Faye Valentine in Cowboy Bebop is very similar to to um, Nami. Um, it's a, a standard trope. I've not watched the live action version of that one. Neither have I, because I, I was about to say because I have standards. <laughs> but here I am doing a podcast. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk about tattoos then. Uh, because I oh, liked okay, what yeah. you were saying about the the um, the paladin with the tattoos. But I like that idea that they're not just to look cool, that they have some sort of purpose. Like yours, yeah. your paladin could like mark off. I've done a good deed. The tattoo, this tattoo's disappeared. This tattoo's disappeared. But it's also such an easy way. Like if you were describing Nami to a party and you go, and she's got this tattoo of a sawfish on her shoulder. It's like that's oh cool, it's a tattoo. But if those people have a backstory with Arlong, maybe they know what that sawfish means. Like maybe they go, oh shit, maybe she's in with bad people if she's got that yeah. tattoo. And it's such an easy way of describing, like, I regularly have a, a bartender that the group go to and he's a bald dwarf with a big spiral tattoo on his head and like a couple of like 
twisted ones. And it's like, that could be a spiral or it could be the sign of the mind flayers that live beneath the city. And it's the second one because you start to see more spirals on other people who serve this gang that no one knows about. But it's like, oh yeah, that guy's got a spiral too. Oh, that guy's got a spiral. And if you start putting it all together, you start to see this this thing but it is also something that people would notice and recognize quite early on about uh someone when they meet them yeah um symbolism is really strong in D, especially if it's something simple that they can just because it's tough to you know it's it's about treading that line again of like how often do you describe something as having a spiral you know yeah. your players might feel like you're just spoon feeding it to them like oh they keep they keep mentioning the spiral so it's it's yeah. kind of tough to, to tread that line. Well, at a certain point, like, let's say, we'll use a spiral example. Like, they might have it on their arm or might have it on, like, their ankle or something like that. But eventually, once they realize that means they're part of the the Squidward gang or something, you don't have to say, hey, look, he's got this tattoo. It's like, no, no, he's a member of the Squidward gang. You can spot the tattoos. So it's just an easy... Oh, I thought you said Squidward. Sorry. <laughs> Squidward, I don't know what his name is. I didn't. I'm an adult. I don't watch SpongeBob. Uh huh. I watch uh-huh. anime. <laughs> I don't watch anime. I only watch good anime. That's the that's the quote. Um, there was a lot of other little things in this episode, um, mm. which is not really like big things to talk about. I liked that they, when they, there was the shot of like Arlong having the party and stuff, and like. It's all full of fishmen and no one's in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <already. laughs> everybody's just everybody's just around the pool. Um, I thought that was pretty funny. That was great. I like their little um Arlong Park, like old um, amusement park. That is that is out. pretty yeah, that's pretty funny as well as a concept. Uh yeah, I that kind of villain lair. It's like, it doesn't really fit the fact that they got tiki bars and who was it? The dude, um, his right hand man who spits fire. I'm like, I'm wondering if that will come back to later on. Yeah. Um, um but even when they uh, walk I like into the, the village, the buggies, but the, what they did with buggy. Oh yeah. Buggy. And that trapped really him there. Cute. That was great. That was a fun little, but then you see, that's where I'm confused about his powers, right? Like why? Yep. Can he not detach from there? Like, well, he can't see it. I don't think he can direct his his stuff if he can't see it. Is it a range thing? Like he's too far away, or I don't think he's too far away. Like he took his ear off and bugged. Um, That's true. Yeah. Bugged them with it, but he wasn't telling the ear to do stuff. It was just there. That's true. So I think it's a case of he can separate and it's just kind of there, but unless he can see what it's doing, it's like. You could try, but it'd be tricky. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe, I, I don't know. Buggy was fun, but he feels a little bit out of place. Like, his style is a little bit off the wacky shenanigans that everyone else is doing. Yeah. Um, he's definitely coming back, though. He's a recurring... He's like that first villain that the party encounters and then just keeps showing up every time, yeah. you know? The fact that he keeps showing up does make me suspect that no one's ever really dead. Well, yeah, that's a thing for next episode <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about next episode. There's one more thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, and that's really, 
when they all show up and Nami's collecting the the tribute for Coco Village, um, it struck me immediately as the standard first adventure for a D&D party. That one where there's a group of bandits and they're mean and they're like rorting this town. They're extorting this town and say, asking for protection money. And the party comes in and they're all like, we can save you. Uh, or yeah. the, the villagers come and say, hey, what if we gave you the money instead of the bandits and you can beat them up for us? It's like that classic, we need a hero it was very, a story. Yeah, it was very, very classic. And they did nothing with it, which surprised me. I mean, more so than, than usual. Like the villagers didn't go to these strangers and say, please help us. So probably because they've had strangers in the past who just got killed. Yeah. Would you go for... Have you tried adventures like that? That standard, we need a hero, but you'll do sort of story? Um, yeah, it's not like... I'm trying to think. Like, it happens kind of one way or another, you know? Like, I don't think there's a kind of explicit avoiding it. I think it's just just the natural way that kind of quests are, are planned out and stuff like that. It'll just end up like mm. that eventually. You'll run something like yeah. that. At a certain point, you're just like, all right, cool. Here's a village. It's under threat from something. Go deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what else do we need to cover on that one? I don't feel like there's that much. I mean, Redemption of Nami, I guess. Um, there's some stuff that kind of overlaps with the next episode. Yeah, um, there's a lot of that. Well, I noticed that when I was watching these that I started right, making my notes for that stuff about the tattoos. And then it seemed very much more important about in the second one. Or the, the start of the second one was just like, it's all about the tattoo you're getting. Like, oh, okay. I guess yeah. that, that's something we need to talk about next time. But no, I you brought it up so I can talk about whatever the hell I want. Um, I was just going to say, there's like the friendly PvP between um, like Zoro. Not PvP is not the right word. The um, unresolved sexual like tension, and, yes. Yeah, Zoro and Sanji, that kind of back and forth. Yeah, the the flirting, as I'm calling it. Yeah. They, um, he seems just to be into anything that's a woman. It looks vaguely um, like a woman. It just feels like he's like, he's, um, putting up too much of a front. Just, just saying. Is it because uh, he's into a Spanish I mean, I'm boy? down for it. It works for me. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. It's just, that sort of antagonism to me strikes as the, the battle couple. The, um, the, the two people who are like, not trade swords in combat, but are like back to back fighting and always each other each, each ha, uh, have each other's back and then make out after everyone's dead. Yeah. So that's the kind of kind of feeling. It was the um, the Han Solo Princess Leia vibe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I like that as well because it is something that characters and players do a lot. Like I see it a lot, particularly when it's a friend group in like a one shot game where they're just kind of making fun of like, check this out. I killed him or I steal the kill from that such and such. It's like, that's a fun little. Yeah. And I bonus. think that's kind of a good example of like doing it. It's about treading that line as well. Again, I yeah. think that they did it in like a, a nice, nice fun way. Yeah. Um, in a fun way. Oh, the other Mostly. thing I liked the symbolism of, it's not oh, really yeah. D&T related, but I like the symbolism wow. of Luffy taking off his hat and then putting it on Nami and being like, this is your character arc now. <laughs> like, you're the main character Oh, I now. see. I yeah. like that. Yeah, you're the protagonist now. 
I'm going to put this. It felt very Doctor Who, honestly, when he oh, took yeah, the hat off. Yeah. He's like, now vengeance will come. Like, oh, the hat's off. Like, I was a nice guy when the hat was on. Now I can just go nuts. Like, yeah. The, the hat means I'm all happy and shiny. When the hat's off, I will fucking destroy you. <laughs> so, yeah, I like that too. That was cool. Um, all right. I think we've kind of reached the end of the episode. Not much really happened. Um, and now we get to do this fun new segment that uh, we came up with last time. This um, Which character would be a fun dungeon master and what kind of adventures would they run? And oh, Oh, I was always prepping my nat one, nat twenty. So we can do that first if you want. I was just gonna say nat one is was Sanji's persuasion check with the offer of food. Um, although that one felt a bit like maybe the DM was like trying to give him, give him an out because they failed the persuasion rolls before. Uh, yeah, to I was it. gonna say it was a nat. Tw- I had the same thing, but I thought it was a nat twenty. Yeah. Food always works. Food makes you roll with advantage. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all right well we, we decided right, let's that do the one. dungeon master yeah let's do the dungeon, dungeon master. master one um because i was thinking i was trying to pick someone and i was thinking nazumi like what's nazumi's um what's his deal n- yeah what's his deal what's the maybe deal? nami's what's a better one too. what's the deal with mouse man so all right all right all right let's let's pick one on air who would you think would be the one to to be most likely be a dungeon master because last time we were talking about Alucard, weren't we? No, sorry, Dracul. Dracul. Alucard, which is Dracula backwards. Oh my god, I spoiled it for everyone. What was his um, name? Hawkmore or something? Dr- Mihawk. Mihawk, that's right. Dracul Mihawk. Anyway, Dracul Mihawk as a, a dungeon master would be great. But what about... Um, I'm trying to think, who do we really get a good insight into this? I this think I mean, um, potentially Zeph. Oh yeah, yeah, we got a bit of Zeph, didn't we? Because he's he's weaving a whole tale to um to what's his face, Admiral Garp. To Garp, yeah. Oh, we left yeah. out the whole Garp stuff because it didn't really matter, did it? Nah. <laughs> Just Garp for, for reference, a, Garp is very weak to stake. We all knew that already. Like, yeah. Garp and Zeph have a conversation, and then um, Kobe finds out where where Luffy went. The end. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I did like that storyline where Zeph's like, "No, no, you got to let kids fly and try their own stuff, and we're old and whatnot." But yeah, I think Zeph would have a really cool food theme theme dungeon. It'd just be an excuse for him to like show off. He'd be very like self serving in that sense. I think it'd be really self-serving, but it'd also have lots of, like, knife traps. Like, lots of, like, cutting <laughs> blades everywhere. And, like, rooms that heat up with water and, and all these sort of things. But also, you'd have things like the boar he was talking about. It's like, all everything in this dungeon you can eat. Sort of sort of atmosphere. Yeah, it's, it's like, like when nothing the is wasted. has that, like, specialty knowledge. And, like, none of yeah. the players are invested in it. Right, but he's like describing into great detail. Like, it has this all these like homebrew mechanics for cooking and stuff, and nobody else really cares. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like if you add this, and you get a plus one on such and such. But if you add these two other spices, then you get this. So like, yeah. I don't, I don't care. Just give me the mechanics. Yeah. That Zeph dungeon would be really interesting because he also he's kind of come to terms with his toxic masculinity. So I feel like any dungeon he made would have a message in there too. 
Like it'd be a very hidden oh, one, yeah. and then he'd get angry at you for not realizing it. Um, I don't think he's come to terms with it. I'll be honest. I think he's still. I think he understands that he loves his his adopted son. Yeah, sure. I'll give him that. You know who Zeph really reminded me of? Uh, who? I want to make you guess. Someone from the Marvel universe. Uh, Yondu. Yeah. That was it. Yondu from Guardians of the Galaxy. That I've adopted a kid. I was going to eat you. I was going to get them to... (laughs) I should have let them have you. Kind of thing. Yeah. And that... Yeah. I like that that storyline for him. I did like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Zeph. That's uh, the Zeph dungeon. (laughs) Maybe... Oh, maybe that's what I could do for a Patreon. Just have a little dungeon based on each of these characters we do. (laughs) Four room make dungeon. it like a mega dungeon in yeah. different rooms yeah yeah I definitely have time to do that that's a that's a thing I can do yeah um, so anyway let's wrap up uh, thank you so much for listening you can find us anywhere podcasts are found you can subscribe like and share which would be really great to get us out to more listeners um, telling friends is the best way to do it you can also find us on Instagram which is at dndntvpod or on um, email which is uh, dndntvpod at gmail.com you can find me personally on Instagram at Talaman83, T-A-L-U-M-I-N-8-3, uh, which is really cool because I never post there anymore. What else? Um, we are brought to you by Masters of Alchemy, the premier game mastering service in all of Melbourne. Uh, normally at Fortress on Sundays, uh, also for mini campaigns coming up during the new year. There's going to be Queens of the Quest if you are... Um, What's the description? Female or female presenting? I can't remember. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, there's a game just for you. It's great. It's uh, it's only female or female presenting people. Um, a great way of learning how to play D&D. Uh, and hopefully there'll be other games going around, but you can also check out their website, which is mastersofalchemy.au. You can find a thief nowhere because you refuse to go online ever. Smart. There is no map that leads to me. Even Nami herself cannot locate me look i'm just saying if nami wanted to find me i'd be very easy to find that's just um throwing that out there um and if i've forgotten what else i say i think i kind of covered everything didn't i there's probably a couple of other things uh, music for for the podcast is done by astrofreak on pixabay um stay kind stay safe be kind to yourself uh may all your hits be crits We're going to be the king of the podcasts and hold your dinosaurs close and keep your pants down.